G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Political commentators have been grappling with the way that things have been changing around the world. The upsets, and you might include in that the Brexit and, of course, the election of Donald Trump, are just illustrations of the fact that things are not always what the experts or the polls predict. So what's driving the alternatives when it comes to politics? What is fueling the rise of the progressives and then the counter-movements of the conservatives? What about the rise of ideologies and talking about ideologies like Islam or of what you might have heard being talked about here on 2020 on a number of occasions, the issue of cultural Marxism. What does all that mean? Well, how do we make sense of all the developments that are going on? And how do they affect the way we do politics in our Australian society? Well, we're going to talk today about the phenomenon of alternative politics. And I want to invite you to be a part of our conversation. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 to join in the conversation today. Our special guest is the Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford, a former lawyer who later joined the Christian ministry. He's a theologian, a political commentator, a radio personality and author of more than a dozen books. He's also principal of the nation's largest Bible college, the Morling College in Sydney. Uh, Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford, welcome along to 2020. Good to be with you, Neil. Well, Ross, I always enjoy our conversations, and uh, you're not uh, afraid to let fly when it comes to uh, telling a few home truths. And let's hope some of that comes out in our conversation today, because when we talk politics, uh, inevitably people have different positions. People come from a different side. Uh, You know, sometimes we talk about the left and the right And then uh, when people were talking about left and right in the U.S. in the recent election, when there were Republicans and Democrats, and then people began to talk about a new different style of politics. They called it Trumpism. Uh, When we talk about alternative politics, Ross, uh, what are we intending to convey uh, with the way things are changing these days? Look, Neil, I think we're conveying that people are no longer feeling bound to the traditional parties or the traditional way of voting or the traditional way of thinking politically. I think what we're seeing globally in Australia and America and Europe is a whole group of people, say mid-America, mid-Australia, whatever, saying we believe the progressives and others have taken over our values. They're trying to drive us to a place where we don't want to go. And we are going to speak out against that. And we will find alternative ways of doing that. We'll find people who are listening to us. Now, when we talk about people who drive things like progressive values, uh, we're also including here, I guess, uh, the mainstream, broader uh, cross-section of the media. Uh, The media is a part of what happens uh, with these sorts of values as they progress, don't they? 
Oh, absolutely. And if the election of Trump uh, taught us anything, it taught us that the media, the traditional media as we now know it, has lost its influence. And I think many people in the Western world and in Australia, uh, you know, over the slant, the political ideology they believe traditional media has been bringing or it's, uh, you know, it's biased reporting in particular areas. So, you know, you know, in our day, I mean, you can Twitter, you can do social media or whatever, but people are no longer having that kind of respect. I don't know about you, Neil, but in my day, you know, some years ago, you got the Sydney Morning Herald or some other newspaper, and you sat down and you read it religiously, cover to cover, and you actually took on board what it said. Well, people don't do that anymore. Well, people are influenced uh, largely now, I'm talking perhaps a younger generation, by what they're seeing on their Twitter feed or what their other social media are telling them is true. Uh, there's an influence there that comes with this new media that's arisen too, Ross. Yeah, and, and that could be a problem as well because the Twitter feed can be fairly inaccurate and be, can, you know, someone just shooting off without giving it due thought. So we need to watch that. But what has happened, Neil, is we're no longer confined to the traditional media to express ourselves, find alternative points of view, and to reach out. So, you know, I think something dramatic has taken place uh, over recent times in the Western world, and I think it's really monumental. And I'll be very interested to hear what other people think out there. But, you know, clearly uh, people are saying... We are over a progressive agenda that doesn't allow us to have a conversation, doesn't allow us to put issues on the table, doesn't allow us to address things without us being demonised and called all sorts of names for doing it and won't let the conversation take place. Well, guess what? We're going to find ways of having that conversation. Okay, when we talk about the Trump factor and uh, where there are ripples that have spread around the world, and this was a different sort of politics than what uh, we've been used to in the past, uh, it's interesting that uh, that when uh, when uh, Trump was inaugurated and uh, when he set foot into the White House, he was all of a sudden the president. There were some things that changed. Uh, very quickly, uh, he started to uh, to make all sorts of uh, announcements and and uh, special uh, ways that uh, that he can actually uh, you know put laws into place. Uh, but he also got rid of a whole lot of the things that were on the agenda for the Obama administration. This is an illustration, isn't it, of of the way that that uh, that progressive politics can be silenced a little or set to one side, and it certainly stirred up a hornet's nest. Uh, what sort of changes, what sort of differences do you think people recognise between left and right? And, and, what, and if we talked about Trump as an illustration, the sorts of things that he did uh, to change some of the things that the Obama administration had in place. Well, look, I think people are still concerned about some traditional values, and I think they're concerned about issues about uh, the right to life. Uh, they're concerned about values about the standard of education and values in education. Uh, they're concerned about uh, support for Planned Parenthood and the like that in America, in many cases, was a support for the abortion industry. And I think you'll find that there's that general concern going on out there. They're concerned about how judges were reinterpreting the law to make the law fit their own particular agenda and not actually what the law had said. So all of that, he's basically reversed. And whatever you think of Trump, and he said some ghastly things in my mind, uh, Neil, he certainly, you know, 
hearing that and bringing things back to an agenda that many people are much more comfortable with. As you say, there are so many things that are contrary in Donald Trump, uh, but there are so many things that on a conservative agenda look pretty good. Uh, When we talk about the shaping of a character, uh, how important is the shaping of a character when it comes to the influences that come out in uh, political campaigning, in in the way that people will uh, assert their own values in, uh, in, in leadership like that? Well, I think with respect to character, what Trump did was basically say, well, don't look at my character. It might be faulty, but look at everybody else's character that's running against me. They're worse than I am. And I don't think that's necessarily a good uh, way of addressing it. But what he did, and I think this is the key thing, he talked about values. And I think that's what it is, Neil. I mean, what, what are the values that we want in our country? What are the values that we want to be part of our regional areas? I mean, what, what, what are the values that, that we think are you know, the, the ones that we want to die for? And I think he got back to a values-orientated uh, kind of approach and said, these are the values I'm going to stand for. I mean, for example, Neil, I mean, uh, there's a lecturer in, in Australia by the name of uh, uh, Duncan, McConnell, um, Duncan McDonald uh, sorry, from Griffith University, and he talks about the left-behind voters. In the West, there's all sorts of people who feel left behind. They feel left behind on their values. They feel left behind with respect to employment. They, sp- they feel left behind with, the, with respect to uh, property. And this whole left behind group are looking for other people to express values about you know, what, what they adhere to. I mean, about work and family and, and owning a home, etc. And I think he's right, mate. This I'm sure there's people here listening who feel, yeah, I mean, there is this left-behind group who the elite and the political elite don't understand, don't care for, and have never got got hold of what we're about. You've got the left-behind group, but what you've got taking its place is minorities with smaller numbers but loud voices, and everybody is targeting those legislators, those politicians, those who are uh, shaping the way that uh, the nation will look. So you've got minorities who've displaced this left-behind group. And then, But what you're saying is there's an anger in the left-behind group that, uh, that wants to, uh, to have its voice reheard. I think so, Neil. And I think the left-behind group is no longer the silent majority. They're becoming loud, as you say. And so they will find at times political parties or people they won't agree with on everything, but they feel they're expressing their frustration. Uh, The people aren't hearing them. They don't like the values that we're heading down, and so they express that. You know, Neil, you take, for example, in Australia, the so-called safe schools program, or what many think is the unsafe schools program, and the whole sense of fluid gender. And, I mean, the average Australian, the average Australian parent doesn't get it, doesn't want it. I mean, they want to be respectful of people, but they do not know why their schools are are being taken over by the safe schools program. There's a, you know, there's a lack of action. It takes so long to process this. But how did it get in in the first place? Well, you know, that kind of group feeling left behind in that debate is saying, OK, we're going to find people who will express our concerns until you hear us, until you listen. There is a sense, isn't there, Ross, uh, that people who hold a progressive agenda think they know better and want to do all they can to impress uh, their will on that 
that majority that you're saying has been left behind. Uh, there's, a, there's a certain assertiveness that comes there of uh, we know better than you and we want to take things to a new and different level. Yeah, look, the urban sophisticates, the elite, yeah, there's no question about that. And, and, and many journalists from Tom Swites of the Sydney Morning Herald and elsewhere, I mean, whatever their politics, have, have just nailed that, that, you know, people are just over the so-called political elite and the political correctness, wherever it happens to be, in economics or elsewhere. And, you know, they're just looking for alternatives. I don't think this is a bad thing, Neil. I mean, I think it might drive the major political parties back to hearing what people are expecting and the issues that they seek to raise. And, I, you know, I, I fear that frustration. The media want to portray the stories they want to portray. You know, the media want bad cops and good cops. And, and the media have fallen into that game over the last 10 years or so. And, you know, the politicians, I think people out there are, are sick of business as usual and they're sick of parties that you can't, don't seem to trust and internally infighting and taking helicopters at our expense to go here or there. I mean, mate, we're just over it. <laughs> well, Ross, let me bring into the Australian context things that are alternative here. I mean, we've been talking about some things around the world. We've, uh, we've mentioned a number of those, a number of those uh, initiatives that have been implemented in Australia that... Uh, are on the progressive agenda. But uh, how, how much do you think alternative politics are playing uh, a role in the way that uh, voters are going to the polling booth and uh, they're voting differently than what people have uh, voted in the past? How much of an, uh, an influence of alternative politics is there in Australian society? Oh, I think it's strong. I mean, you've only got to look at the rise of Pauline Hanson. Uh, you know, that many people saw her as politically dead who's alive and whatever you think of her politics, I mean, she's representing uh, by her statements, she's claiming to represent people who feel that they have been left behind, who are not being heard. And it's not just Pauline. You look at Corey Bernardi saying, well, you know, I've had enough. I'm getting out. I'm also going to represent a voice that is not, uh, uh, you know, it's just not this progressive voice. It needs to be heard. And so I think you're seeing this continue to rise and what you'll see is the major parties continuing to have this fight and the pressure on issues like same-sex marriage which is just extraordinary where you've got business leaders coming out saying you know we support it and and, and we're in favor of it the government just should uh, go ahead and legislate it or have a vote on it and and people are thinking well where does this all come from i mean you know, how come you're running or see over major business? I mean, you think that you're the expert on this moral area. So I think you'll find it in all sorts of areas across Australia. I mean, the Safe Schools Program, mate, was a massive response from the Australian electorate simply saying, we don't like this. And the whole gender fluid kind of nature, you know, that, you know, you can be a boy or a girl and what is it, you know, you make your own choices... As a as a young child, I mean, Australians don't get this, and they don't get it taking away the, the the concept of a father and a mother. So we'll end up having Parents' Day, not Father's Day, Mother's Day. This is not extremism, mate. This is what's happening, and I think ultimately, Australians, like much of the rest of the world, are going to vote on it, and the political elite are going to say, "Where did this come from? We're surprised." I mean, take Islam for example, Neil. I mean, the failure to have an discussion in our community about the transformation that Islam can bring in a particular community. Now, you know, people are entitled to come to this country, but people also entitled to their community have a conversation about 
what's the shape of their community? What's the values of their community? Uh, you know, what, do they, what do they feel about halal certified foods and, and all these kind of things? They just want the conversation. They're not necessarily saying they've got all the answers, but to even raise the issues you're demonised. Well, people looking for someone and voices that say, well, we're prepared to have the conversation. Uh, Ross, let me bring into our conversation too uh, this aspect of being a Christian and then therefore being involved in a political process. Uh, if we're talking about your own political alignments, uh, various listeners will know that you have uh, your responsibility and role with the Christian Democratic Party. So you're involved in politics and uh, in politics with a party whose agenda is very solidly Christian. Uh, I know that Christian Democratic Party, you tick all the boxes. Whenever I look at comparisons, uh, uh, those sorts of values that you stand for are well and truly in line with a Christian uh, foundation of what we know, what we believe, and what we'd like to see implemented. Being a Christian and being into politics, uh, this is an important aspect that some people have uh, have somehow rather left on the shelf and thought that Christians ought not to be involved. But but being a Christian and having the values we do is a very important element of what we need to do to approach uh, the the rising alternatives in politics. How do you think about that? Well, Neil, I think about it from a Christian Democratic Party approach that in a sentence you should be able to sum up you know, why a political party exists. And the Christian Democratic Party exists to defend and advance the Judeo-Christian heritage and culture that is Australia. And uh, not saying we're trying to make a Christian nation or everyone needs to be Christian or go to church, but it's those Judeo-Christian values about love God, love your neighbour, serve each other, look for human dignity, human worth, uh, fair play that have made us who we are as a country. And so I think it's essential that we take time to protect those values and that heritage. And that's why I do it through that particular political party. But we can do that through our churches, through our involvement in community groups and discussions. One of the things that was happening before um, the last federal election, Neil, and I think it's wonderful, many churches were having public forums. And in those public forums, they're asking, you know, the local member and people from the major political parties and minor parties to come along to church and to talk about, you know, what their beliefs are and what their values are for the community. And before they would uh, open it up to that kind of public forum, the minister or someone else, and I did on a number of occasions, would talk about, you know, what's it mean to be a Christian today and what's the responsibility of a Christian in society and a Christian in politics. And, mate, you've got packed houses. And you've got conversations and you've got things being addressed and you're addressing the issue of what it is to be involved. If you believe that King Jesus is concerned about every area of life and wants the best for everybody in every area of life, then you've got no choice but to take an interest in politics and make sure that what is part of our culture and history is not lost by the progressives. Right? The progressives, you take same-sex marriage, Neil. I mean, people might think we're obsessed about it, but we're not. Same-sex marriage, I believe, is ultimately not about same-sex marriage. I mean, there's no doubt many people have a concern in that area, but it's ultimately about getting this landmark of a Judeo-Christian heritage, this landmark of marriage and traditional marriage knocked off crossed off and the bastion of our Judeo-Christian kind of heritage is seen in that fall and that's what so many people are seeking to achieve out there, so many of the progressives we knock this one off and then we can start reshaping society what schools can say, not can say what can happen in the workplace not happen in the workplace well, you know, time to get up 
Time to have a stand. Time to have a say on this. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Ross Clifford, a former lawyer who later joined the Christian ministry. We're talking about the phenomenon of alternative politics. Uh, Ross, let's take some calls. First of all, let's hear from Steve in Parks in New South Wales. Hello, Steve. Welcome along. Yeah, good day, Brother Neil. Good day, Brother Ross. How are you both today? Very well, thank you. What are your thoughts, Steve? Well, before I commence, I've got a very special gift for both Brother Ross, yourself, and all your listeners across the Christian Radio okay. Network. If you go onto the Norman Rockwell Online Museum and take a look at a, 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 what's called FDR's Four Freedoms, and this is what I believe are being destroyed today, um, uh, they were freedom from fear, freedom from want, freedom of religion, and freedom of speech. And you'll find those beautifully illustrated by uh, American artist Norman Rockwell. And I think, Mm. I hope that that's what President Trump is fighting for, for the return Mm. of those, to make not only America great again, but Britain, France, uh, Canada, and this country, Australia, great again. We're lost in the wilderness. I believe a a U.S. senator called Senator Joseph McCarthy, um, he, he, he made this quote, that no two-party political uh, system can survive under one-party ideology. Now, um, Senator McCarthy, of course, was made famous by the House on Un-American Activities Commission Committee in the US. But my question is, um, uh, was Senator McCarthy right, Brother Ross? Uh, let's uh, have some thoughts from you, Ross Clifford. I didn't like his process, Steve. I'd say that to you for certain. But look, mate, I really love your concept on the four uh, freedoms and the Rockwell uh, Museum. And I'll certainly look that up. And can I just say, Neil, briefly, that the religious freedom and freedom of speech is just so key. And that's part of the journey here. And look, mate, you've got in London now, you've got street street, uh, street preachers being arrested for expressing their point of view and being charged and convicted. And, you know, this is just craziness. And across the world, we know that religious liberty is just being opposed in all sorts of parts of the world. But when you see, you know, in Canada, a Christian university, their law law graduates can't get to practice law because of the view that the university has on same-sex marriage. And when you see in England, people getting arrested simply because of their, you know, expressing their view of what the Bible says on particular issues on the street. But you've got to a stage, we've got to stop this coming to Australia. We've got to stand up. And that's what people want. They don't want that kind of world. Thank so you. Good on you, Steve. I'll good on you, on Steve. Uh, Steve from Parks, and uh, yes, certainly uh, those four points on freedom. You mentioned Norman Rockwell, an artist, and uh, you uh, can find his site online. Uh, and of course, as we as we are speaking today, Ross, uh, the Section 18C and the Racial Discrimination Act is being debated in our federal parliament, and that's got issues as well, and there might be some more conversation about that. Not to say that uh, we'll talk about that right now because we'll take another call, but, but save some thoughts about that. Let's hear yeah. from Ursula in New South Wales. Hello, Ursula. Welcome along. Oh, good morning. Um, I have two questions, one more general and one more specific. Um, how do you educate voters? I mean, in all the plethora of information, um, 
you know, my, my, my prayer has been specifically before the Western Australia election that God would open the voters' eyes and, you know, uh, corruption would be exposed, truth would be shown, all those kind of things. And, um, and then you get, you know, the election result in Western Australia and you sort of go, where did that come from? How, how did that work? And uh, because, you know, in our democratically um, uh, elected representative government, our preferential system is actually it's, it's it's a wonderful system i think it's probably one of the world's best where you can really set apart the progressive and the com- conservative side without having to have one conservative party one progressive party but you, you can you know put them all on one side and have have uh, diversity with within those groups as well actually good thoughts what was that second point you were the making the second point was you know in light of what we're talking about here how do you interpret that enormous win of Labor in Western Australia. Okay. Uh, your thoughts on the Western Australian election, Ross? Yeah, look, taking up Ursula's point, I, I, I don't give up. Uh, I think what Trump has taught us and Hanson has taught us, whether you vote for them or not, is the power of one. That's been very key in their movements. Uh, they have focused uh, on you know, getting the message across. One voter can make a difference. One voter can make a difference. So Ursula and everybody else, including me, don't lose that power. I think we've lost it. Uh, keep on articulating your position. Uh, go to community forums, share with your friends, ring on radio like this, and the power of one will produce that change in our community. Western Australian election, sadly, you know, many people say it was just about time. And we're in a bad state, Neil, uh, without getting too political. But if after eight years... You know, a political party or, or a leader, a premier, is seen to be too old hat, we need a change. If that's why we're changing. I mean, we have a premier that can't last three years in New South Wales because it's time to move on. We've got to take, uh, you know, real, real, real focus on that. But, you know, Labor's won, yep. Power of change, yep. But don't give up, Ursula. Look at what happened with some of the minor parties. Hang in there. Keep on going. Keep on believing that these values can get across. And I believe that we're getting to a stage, Neil, if we keep that up, that no party will be able to win government in this country in their own right if they keep on the progressive agenda. Uh, Thank you so much to Ursula from New South Wales for your call. Let's take a call from Ray in Tasmania. Hello, Ray. Welcome along. Hi, good morning. I just wanted to raise this issue that, that words have been distorted and what, what has happened is our universities and everything are distorting words. So you've got to understand that you should be able to speak truth to power in a non-aggressive way. And what, that's what's being lost, not just in this country, but in the West in general. What's taken over is this sort of pragmatic view um, which is an ideology, that an outcome which they hide from you um, and don't give you all the information, um, and then they, they want that outcome. They don't want to listen to you. And I think the only way that we're going to be listened to is f- to break this tribalism of voting for one of the major parties which the me- mainstream media control and with a good conscience vote for somebody that um, is independent of them um, and who can represent. Because at the moment, I, I think we're losing our freedom. Ray, uh, good thoughts. Uh, your response, Ross? Uh, excellent. And look, Ray raised universities and the freedom 
with respect to universities. One of my faculty, uh, Neil, has done an academic paper, peer-reviewed, looking at what's happening in universities across the country. And there's no doubt that that they're doing what we call non-platforming. If you come from what is perceived as the right or a conservative, you won't get a platform at the university. Uh, the students will keep on complaining until you're removed and not allowed to speak, or you know, your invitation to go to the university is withdrawn. And if the university doesn't act, then they start playing the word game that uh, uh, Ray's been talking about. They kind of say, well, if so-and-so co- turns up here, he'll cause harm. Students will be offended because of his point of view. They may even self-harm. Now, if you're off the left, you've got no problem getting a platform. Now, what's going on here, Neil? This is in our universities. This is documented that the universities are being forced by movements and political ideologies and the progressives to stop giving platforms, freedom of speech, to those who are seen as conservative. Now, you know, we've got to get this territory back. We've got to get it back. And Ray is spot on. Find politicians of either party or independents who stand for what you stand for, Vote against political lines, vote for independence, vote for those who want to know what's going on in our world and prepare to make a difference. Because this is the hour. We won't get another shot at it, Neil. Uh, Ross, before we take some more calls, let me just uh, talk to you about churches and the role that we play in a atmosphere of the rising of alternative politics. Uh, churches are important. Churches have been a part of our nation uh, since the First Fleet. Uh, what about the role of churches in politics today in the 21st century? What are your thoughts? Oh, look, it should be active, Neil, and uh, churches can be key places where communities can have these conversations. You don't have to be politically aligned, but get the issues on the table, have forums, have uh, your local member and, and uh, people from other political persuasions there, put the issues on the table. Put same-sex marriage on the table. Put the issue of refugees on the table. Put on the table, you know, sanctity of life. Put on the table uh, gender selection abortion that we're facing now, Neil. Can you believe this? I heard an IVF practitioner in Australia say uh, people should be able to go into the IVF program simply so they can gender select their child. And when someone said to him, on, on, on the radio, well, why should we go that way? And he said, well, this is Western society. We've got the money. We can do it, so people should be able to do it. I mean, you know, they're going to look at changing the rules of IVF this year towards gender selection. We need to have those conversations now. People choosing the sex of their baby, deciding they don't want a girl or whatever, so aborting. No, Neil, time for the conversations. Do that. And as you're having the conversations, remind everyone what's the role of a local member. What's the role of politics? They are representative of you. They're representative of your community. They're there because you think they're good people to represent your interests and they should be representing your values. So you find someone or you vote for someone who, who you think can represent your values, represent your community well, represent your interests well and whom you're proud of in a public domain. Go beyond the political party. Look for a person that represents you well. And that's the sort of role churches can have. Remind us, as an early caller said, we are representative democracy, what that means, have the forums and get going, Neil. I I just think it's great. And, you know, let me just say one other thing. Melanie Phillips of The Times, and The Times is, you know, uh, out there as one of the major newspapers, said the progressive agenda is all about changing the world and human nature to, to accord with a preferred model of existence. That's what Trump in America, voters wanted him to stop. 
They wanted him to stop that progressive agenda. And there's the Times saying that's what's going on. That's what people want in Australia. I believe we've got a Judeo-Christian heritage at our base. People want the progressive agenda stopped. Okay, we're taking calls. 1-800-316-316. Your thoughts on these alternative politics. Uh, Let's take a call from Emmanuel in Perth in WA. Hello, Emmanuel. Welcome along. G'day, Neil. How you going? I'm very well. Thanks for waiting so patiently, Emmanuel. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I just want to ask about uh, street preaching in Australia, whether or not you can get locked up for it, because, well, that's to do with freedom of speech, but um, I'm not sure you know that case in Queensland where that uh, young guy got locked up for uh, street preaching. I'm not sure what... Uh, actually, I don't think he was locked up, but he certainly was arrested and uh, there was a court process that lasted something uh, in the vicinity of a year and uh, he was, uh, uh, he was, that, that case was dismissed before a magistrate uh, just some months back. Uh, so, uh, but, but, you know, but can you be locked up uh, for protesting if you were standing on a street corner when it comes to uh, the issues of abortion clinics? Well, we know from uh, the... Uh, from the example of Graham Preston, the pro-life campaigner, he's been jailed six times for that. So, so there are some things here when you stand up for Christian values. Uh, yes, you can be charged, and yes, you can be jailed. Uh, but your thoughts, Ross Clifford, a, a former lawyer, uh, your thoughts on, on, on the way that people are being treated when they are standing up for righteousness? We've only got to look what's happening in England, uh, Neil, to see that street preachers are being arrested. Now, if you're a street preacher, I think you ought to take 1 Peter 3.15 seriously give a reason for the hope that is within you, but do so with gentleness and respect. But if you're just declaring the word and speaking the word of God out there, I mean, my gosh, and you're quite right. I've seen that happening in a variety of areas with respect to abortion, not just necessarily being arrested, but people, you know, having the fear of God put into them by authorities turning up saying what's going to happen to them if they keep a very sensible and mild protest going. Neil, it's just not about getting the conviction. That's what we need to understand. You see, getting into courts and going through the process of the courts, that's what wipes you out. Legally, cost-wise, you know, mentally, uh, physically. And so we don't want to be a culture where we're going to start people being before courts for these particular kind of issues. Because it's not that the fact they're acquitted in the end. As you say, it's 12 months getting there. I mean, it's just terrific. Yeah, and so of course, that... I was going to say Section 18C being debated by our federal politicians in the parliament today. And, and oftentimes uh, there's this thought that if you don't have some sort of uh, Section 18C uh, uh, legislation that stops people from saying offensive things uh, that uh, that somehow or other uh, that's that you're out to offend people but but of course this is this illustrates uh, doesn't and I'll get your thoughts Ross that when you have uh, the idea of offending and insulting uh, that's in the legislation what it does is it creates a weapon to be used and uh, Christians are typically on the receiving end of that sort of threat and that sort of weapon uh, but uh, your thoughts uh, just quickly on on 18 that debate's going on right now. Ross, what are your thoughts? Oh, it has to be amended, has to get away from those subjective uh, areas and, and words and thoughts, uh, Neil. And it, it's, it's got to you know, look at the Human Rights Commission because in some sense, if a complaint's been made, it's almost like they've got to progress it. 
And even that's timely and costly and you've got to go through mediation and if the mediation can't settle it, then you've got to look at laying a charge. Well, often mediation won't settle it because one of the parties have no intention of being settled. And so I think the whole process has to be looked at, how these are investigated, Neil. But look, Australia handled this kind of stuff well. Uh, you know, if someone goes too far, you know, we just take them off the Christmas card list, mate. We don't need legislation to do it. We don't vote for them anymore. I mean, we really do this well. Only legislation that's needed that clearly protects people from a verbal offence that all of us would go, you know, oh, my gosh, you can't say that. And, mate, we all know what that is. <laughs> Thank you to but Emmanuel. Not in its current form. It's, it's too broad. It's too broad. And broad legislation broad. just creates a mess. That's right. Emmanuel from Perth, thanks so much for your input today. Let's continue to take some calls. Uh, uh, let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hi, Chris. Welcome along. Good day, Neil. Yeah, I mean, the uh, homosexual community don't want Bible verses on uh, beer cans, but they put up with halal packaging on uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, it's actually a slave tax that we're playing to Islam. And also this thing from the um, Coopers, the money that was going to go to the Bible Society was actually going to go to Bibles for the Defence Forces. That was the project. So, you know, there again, you know, the attacking our freedoms, you know, the people are defending our country. And, um, you know, the very same Islamists would throw these guys off the buildings. And also, just why don't church leaders, like the guy was saying, all the major church leaders write to these CEOs and say, yeah, we don't like halal packaging on your goods or we don't um, want you to support gay, you know, gay marriage. Uh, because most of the... Uh, Majority of the people that are, you know, supporting your company would be Christians as well. Uh, that's what it, is it their personal view or who are they representing? You know, because they can't speak for everybody. Chris, you may you raise uh, some amazing points there, and uh, particularly as you're highlighting, there's hypocrisy in the way that a progressive uh, uh, political ideology uh, somehow or other uh, gets lost in its own self. Uh, let's get a, a thought or two, because I know you think quite deeply about this whole issue of hypocrisy, Ross. Uh, uh, how do you think hypocrisy ought to be used, if, even against those who are coming with uh, some levels of progressive values that uh, that Christians t- disagree with? Oh, look, Chris is right. We need to point out the hypocrisy. And uh, whatever you think about the Bible Society doing the ad with Coopers, you know, the conversation that we're talking about, they had a conversation between two political uh, uh, members of parliament, I mean, over gay marriage. And it was a very sensible, adhered to the to, you know, good rules of communicating well kind of conversation. And because of that, you know, the whole, whole, the whole world's erupted. And Neil, look, you know, let me just say one thing. You know, I fly regularly. Uh, one of the reasons I don't eat food on, aer- on, on aeroplanes, particularly Qantas, is because I often diet that day, fast that day. But I often say to the Qantas attendant who says to me, but you're not eating, you haven't eaten at all. I say to them, but, but every, all your meals here are halal certified. And she said, yes, so I've got no choice. And I said, look, I'm not against people eating a halal certified food. I mean, God bless them. I'll go to a halal certified place and have coffee if I want to. What I'm against is all of us having to do it. And she says, well, tell me more. I said, I'm a Baptist minister. Imagine that every meal served on this flight was prayed over by me. And imagine that if the small amount of profits from that all went to the advancement of Morning College. And she looked at me and said, well, that's never going to happen, is it? I said, no. Well, why has this other one happened? Yes. I mean, why has this happened? Imagine every flight around Australia and overseas via Qantas 
the food had to be prayed over by Ross Clifford, and all of the proceeds from that, small as it might be, but it all mounts up, went to the advancement of a good cause, and it is Morling College. I mean, it, it would never get off the ground, Neil. No, that's right. call this stuff out for what it is. <laughs> it's not against people being able to eat food of their own taste. It's not about people not being able to have halal certified cafes and whatever. God bless them. Of course they can. It's about enforcing this on the rest of us. <laughs> and, all right. And it's the little things that irritate people and, and get to the bigger. Thank you to Chris from Victoria for your insights today. Let's hear from, is it Claudra or Claudia in Exmouth in WA? Yes, hello. How are you doing? Is it Claudia, is it? Yes, Claudia, that's right. Claudia, Claudia, great to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Well, I've actually just, um, I just turned on and I was quite in, in, encouraged by um, what Ross is saying. Um, I've been reading a book about Bonhoeffer, who uh, was a, a martyr and a pastor in the in, in Germany as the rise of the Nazis and just as he um, saw all these things happening the churches were just so um, uh, they didn't do anything about it they just sat on their laurels and actually accepted that okay Jews can't worship with us anymore and they and he kept compelling them to read the Bible and see for themselves what it says about all these different issues that the government had been pushing on them and to be wise, and I think that's the same as today. I've I just see the correlation. I'm in WA. I was a little upset that Labor got in, but then I thought to myself, actually, as Christians, we should just now be praying because we've had it easy with the Liberals. They've been just fighting it for us. But now it's time for us to step up and start praying and start being what Ross is saying, the advocate and the ones that actually do share the gospel to people and show the light and graciously go to our schools and say, hey, we don't want safe schools. This is the reason why. And just explain it with a gracious manner so that they can actually see the love of Jesus, just like in Second Peter. And a wonderful example in Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. as you say, Claudia, uh, he was at least one who could see that the church itself was being swept along by the ideology of the Nazis. And... Uh, and he needed to stand up and say something. Uh, he'd be one of your uh, favourites too, no doubt, uh, Ross. Oh, absolutely. And there's Martin Niemöller, who's you know, relying on uh, Bonhoeffer said that in the end, uh, he didn't stand up for anything. And when they came for him, there was no one left to stand up. So we do need to stand up, Neil. And look, it's not all bleak. Uh, after our interview, I'm heading into town, uh, into the CBD of Sydney, and 40 church leaders are meeting with the Premier and the Minister for Education over issues that we have in a very civil hour conversation that will take place. So I think we've got an opportunity, Neil. We still have that window here for church leaders to decide, yet yeah, we can do something. Claudia from Exmouth and WA, thanks so much for your insight today. And let's take one more call. Jonathan in Perth in WA. Hello, Jonathan. Yes. Jonathan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, as I listen to these talks, all these things, I think the Bible says that how that is divided will not stand. You know, even the Christian organization, we are a living people according to what we are not religion people, we are a life living people, but we are divided. There are a lot of denomination contradicting the whole thing we are talking about. They are not two together. I don't know how they're reading the Bible, how they're interpreting the Bible. They're misquoting the Word of God completely according to their taste. Because we, we don't treat other people the way we want it to be treated. So really, we, we the Christian, we need to deal with ourselves. We, need, we have to have teachers, according to what the guy is talking to the, the instructor this morning or the, 
you are talking with this morning. We Jonathan, some good thoughts in, in that. Of course, uh, when you're divided, a house that's divided it can't stand. Uh, your thoughts on what Jonathan is saying, Ross? Look, we are divided at times. We're divided on a number of issues, and they're significant issues. But we've also got a lot in common, Neil, and we need to find that. And as I said, in an hour or so, 40 Christian leaders will be with our Premier and the Minister for Education, and we won't be divided. Uh, the church is not really divided on same-sex marriage, ex- apart from you know the, the odd church group. And so I think there is a lot that we can stand together on, and we need to do that and move forward. But I agree. I mean, unless we get our act together and talk about these issues together and seek to have some sort of common voice, uh, you know, the community don't understand us. So it's important that we do our good work now. The window of opportunity is here now, Neil. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. We've been talking about the rise of alternative politics. Our special guest is Ross Clifford. He's the principal at the Morling Baptist Theological College in Sydney. There is a website. It's morlingcollege.com, and uh, no doubt there'll be opportunities there for you to have a look at some of the courses that are on offer there. Uh, Ross, as we're talking about this whole issue of alternative politics, and when we talk about, you know, uh, progressives we've noticed that there's a nasty streak that can that can show its ugly head when it comes to that progressive side of politics that wants to shut down the debate on so many of the important issues that we're talking about but there is a sense in which it is easy to become fearful of putting your hand up and saying hang on a second I'm standing for a conservative position a christian position uh, and so it's it's easy to become fearful. What are your thoughts for people who might be saying, well, I'll leave that to someone else more brave than I am? Look, I think what's happening, the, the rise of the alternative parties, Donald Trump, uh, Pauline Hanson, whatever, uh, has reminded us that we don't need to be fearful, that uh, whatever your politics and whatever your view, you can produce change. Remember the power of one. Remember the power of your community, Neil. For example, uh, if you're a churchgoer, there are more people in church on Sunday than all the football games put together of every code in our country. And sometimes we underestimate our influence and where we place. And of course, those who are Christian have the risen Christ uh, on their side as well. So let's overcome fear. Let's realize the media no longer control the game. Let's understand that people are talking about serious issues. And I think we've got to get out there and get into the conversation again, Neil. I think that's what many people are doing. Do it with gentleness and respect. Remember 1 Peter 3.15. Quote it to yourself regularly. I have to do it because we get all get pretty excited. Um, and, you know, at times walk away from a conversation, come back to it later. Get your churches active. They don't have to take political points of view, Neil, but they can get the conversation going in their community. They can be a place where the community forums can take place. So, you know, now's the time, Neil, and, uh, you know, we've got the opportunity. If you don't want the progressives to run the ship, now's the time to take control of the rudder. And when you put your hand up, when you raise your voice, uh, to quote something you said of recent times, Ross, uh, there's no virtue greater than authenticity, no vice worse than phoniness. Uh, Better to stand up and uh, give an authentic point of view uh, than to try and pretend you're something that you're not. Uh, your your thoughts in the way that you conduct yourself when you actually are engaging in the debate? Yeah, look, uh, you've got to be winsome. 
but you've also got to be firm. Australians don't like a doormat. And, and look at Jesus. I mean, there's a time that's right to be angry, but there's also time to make sure that we're, you know, we're enforcing that sense of community and goodness and loving our neighbours ourselves. So, you know, keep that in mind. It's just not what we say, uh, Neil. You're spot on. It's the tone of how we say it. And it's a way that we listen to people rather than necessarily dropping in the answers. Listen, tone. And as I said, 1 Peter 3.15, Neil, is in this conversation a way to live. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within me, but do so with gentleness and respect. You do that. Not everyone's going to listen. Not everyone will be your friend. But I tell you what, there'll be a lot of decent conversations taking place. The power of the one, Neil, Trump showed, Hanson showing, you can make a difference. And Ross, before I let you go, I'm talking to you today. You're sitting in your office there. You're the principal of the Morling Theological uh, College in Sydney. Uh, is this the sort of thing that you have opportunity to teach your uh, students, uh, students who are studying for degrees in the Morling College? Uh, politics, uh, is this a part of the way that you like to, uh, to help uh, your students engage with the wider issues in society? Oh, absolutely. And certainly in classes like ethics and the like, certainly engaging in that sort of conversation. And it's not just the issues, Neil, as you've highlighted. One of the things I seek to do, and I'm sure others do, it's the way you engage in the conversation, the, the way you see opportunities for engagement, the way you take those opportunities that is so vital. The issues are almost secondary. The key thing is to get the Bible into the conversation and do it in a way that doors are opening, people are responding, they're hearing a prophetic voice, but they're not necessarily feeling they need to run from you. That, that's really key in this conversation, Neil. That's the way we need to do it. But just don't be so winsome and loving that nothing comes out that makes a difference, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's not Aussie either. Aussies don't get that either, mate. No, it's, uh, it's get out and have a go. And, uh, have a go, but do it respectfully. And if you get knocked to... down, get up again and uh, dust yourself oh, off and keep going. Absolutely. Have a bit of a laugh, turn the conversation to cricket and come back five minutes' time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Aussies love that, mate. They get it. Ros Clifford, great engaging with you on this issue today. Uh, I mentioned Morling College, morlingcollege.com. Uh, you'll be able to find a link there where you'd be able to send Ross an email to. Uh, you could send an email to as well through the 2020 page. I'll pass on any feedback to Ross Clifford. Ross, uh, just great getting your insights today. Thanks so much for taking the time to share them with you, with us here on 2020. Oh, privilege. God bless you, mate. God bless the listeners. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.